filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Oh yeah, ladies and gents. What is this, part seven? Part seven it is. Kitchen quarantine. Gosh darn it. Day 56. Jeremy Johnson joins us from the West Coast. How are you, Jeremy? I mean, how do you even answer that anymore? <laughs> Fair. You, right. know, you try and keep you try and keep a smile on your face and stay in the moment, but um, the world is turning, and uh, there's a lot of unknowns out there. And um, you know, I got a three year old who's who's running us uh, ragged, and mm-hmm. there's no preschool or babysitter in sight so it continues to be full court man-to-man uh full court press rick patino defense 24 hours a day seven days a week period let me ask you this do you do you i'm sure the answer is yes but do you have friends who have multiple children and do they find it easier because the kids can maybe entertain themselves for a hot second or no i think you do depending on the age difference um, you do get some moments where you're like, all right, now it's finally getting easier. But in the, in the beginning, um, from what I have learned, it's not that it's twice as hard. It's three to four times as hard. Like the math doesn't add up. You're like, oh, it's okay. We have one. And then we get two. It'll be like, you know, it's not. It's like 10 times harder. And then they reach a point where they can play. Uh, on a similar level and it's not all fighting and you can just kind of do your own thing and keep one ear on the children and um, that I think is the golden time whatever age it is five and three or six and three or whatever it is um, that is what you're aiming for the whole time leading up to it yeah that's a long road of how to get there though sure you know and there is a lot of it's, it's the most rewarding and difficult thing you can do. And, um, you know, one doesn't take away from the other. It's, uh, but you figure you have a child that's, you know, say three or four years old, you've got a good, like three to four years before, um, they can kind of be on the same level sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, that makes it difficult, but this is not parent, parent confidential. Cause I am imminently, not qualified. So we'll move to the kitchen quarantine, um, which I'm also not qualified, but at least I, you know, I can set you up, as they say. Hey, you eat every day and you're interested in eating well. That's what matters. That's what Kitchen Confidential is all about. It's not about our kitchen quarantine is all about. It's mostly about saying kitchen confidential instead of quarantine. Yes, and number one. And the other part is... Um, making sure that people are ex- a little more excited about and good at feeding themselves without going out or getting takeout every time they turn around. Right, which has been exceptionally hard during this last 56-plus days, so it's a good thing to be talking about. Hey, real quick, let's do some places listening. I think you are aware of this already. I know you are. Baku, Azerbaijan, checked in for the first time ever last week. Thank you to them. Paris, France, of course, bringing up a front couple interesting ones in the last couple of days. The capital of Paraguay, Ascension, boom, muchas gracias, 
some of our friends in Paraguay. Couple different cities in Germany that are lesser known cities: uh, Malacker, M M U L A C K E R, Germany, and Solingen, Germany. Boom. Stoke Newington in the United Kingdom. Couple big cities: London, Dublin, Barcelona, and uh, twelve countries overall. JJ checking in this week, including a listen from Moscow. Last week they were in Saint Petersburg. They've clearly turned us over to the Kremlin. And uh, obviously, listen in Iran as well. So no North Korea still. We'll keep, you know, the light on for them. But, you know, the good news is that Moscow and Tehran checked in. So right on schedule with our topic of last week of mentioning them by name. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely helping us uh, prove our theory. Yeah, exactly. Nostrovia. So anyway, we're doing seafood, everybody. Last week, we did the vegan piece because of the meat shortage. There definitely are meat plants getting shut down. Not going to get into that. That was so last week. So week six. So, JJ, where do you want to start us off with seafood? The floor is yours, my friend. Um, well, I think the seafood that most people are the most comfortable with at home is uh, salmon fillets. Sure. And I think that that's probably a pretty good place to start because the weather allegedly is getting warmer. I hear you guys are getting a snowstorm or something. But most of the country is turning their um, their calendars over towards spring and summer, and people are going to be dying to get out onto their porch or their um, backyard. So let's start with something that you're comfortable with, uh, salmon. Uh, hot tip number one, um, whenever cooking fish, period, on the grill, um, especially on the grill, you got to clean that grill really well, and then right before you put the oiled fish on, yep. you got to oil the grates. Mm. So, you know, dip a paper towel in some, uh, you know, vegetable oil or olive oil and uh, rub that up and down on the grates with some tongs, or if you're feeling uh, risky, do it with your own hand, and then put the fish right on skin side down. Um, skin that side leads down. to number two straight off the bat. Start your fish. Um, first of all, buy it with skin. It's like buying meat with bones. It has more. Um, it's able to hold its moisture and its um, flavor better mm. um, when you cook it. Especially, you cook it skin side down, and you really want to get that crispy skin. Now, some fish you don't want to eat it. Salmon, as we started with, you do really want crispy skin salmon. It is wonderful on the grill. And then in any um, direct heat method, you cook it skin side down until it's almost done. Mm, and yeah. then you flip it just for a kiss on the other side. No, no, I had no idea. The skin side, not only does it have that great layer of fat and uh, the crispiness that happens when you, when you fry or grill um, fish skin, but it also kind of insulates the flesh. So... It slows down the heat going through the filet. Chef's kiss. Um, you know, and honestly, you want to, you know, get off the subject for a second. Take that same approach with any steak you're cooking, any chicken breast, any sort of meat at all that I can think of off the top of my head. You devote most of the cook time to one side, mm. and that's your that's your pretty side, you know. So you want all that browning and all that flavor and all that crispiness and that rendered fat and the breakdown of all the connective tissue and everything. 
that all starts on one side because if you get both sides like that, you just turn whatever you're going to eat into shoe leather or cat food. <laughs> so you, you cook it like more than half, like 75% of the way, one side down, and then at the very end, you flip it. And that's often like if I have a cast iron skillet going, I just turn off the skillet. Oh. I flip it and I turn it off. I just let the residual heat of the pan um, cook the uh, now bottom side, and you've got the pretty side facing up. See, I didn't know any of that. That's a great tip. Um, one thing in a pan with salmon, and really any um, skinned fish fillet that you're cooking and you want some sort of crispy skin, you want to put it in, you want to splash in some oil with a high smoke point, like a vegetable, canola, avocado, grapeseed, that kind of oil. Not olive oil because it smokes if it gets too hot. Okay. And you put the fish skin side down in the oil, and then you turn on the heat. Mm. Preferably a nonstick um, skillet over a stainless steel. And, um, you know, the best is usually cast iron for almost anything, but... If you do it with a piping hot surface, then you've seen it happen, I'm sure, especially with something like chicken or pork chops, is it starts to cup up in the center. You know, all that moisture, it's like a very violent cooking process, and all that moisture in the in the proteins, in the tissue, comes out and it hits the uh, pan and it steams up and it pushes the inside up off of the heated surface. Mm. And you end up with, like, the nice um, browned outside edge. And you're, like, you know, taking your spatula and just, like, slamming your delicate piece of fish or really nice piece of pork tenderloin, smashing it down into the grill, trying to get some more browning. And really, you know, you're damaging your food. And But if you start it in a cold pan, mm. then what happens is the fat gets a chance to slowly render out. A lot of the steam and the moisture gets a chance to slowly release, so you're not having as violent um, cupping. Uh, like it's almost like a reflex within the proteins, or just trying to get away from all that, and it's being pushed up by it. So, if you're going to make salmon in your apartment, splash a little bit of oil in a in an unstick um, pan, put the fish in skin side down, and have it all nice and salted both sides. And then turn it on to like a medium, medium high and let it let it heat up with the pan. And you're going to get better browning. You're going to get a better result. And you're not going to find yourself like smashing your fish into the pan, you know. Don't smash your fish, everybody. Take the name of the week, Smashing Trout. <laughs> That's awesome. That might be a real band name. That's great. Trout and salmon are like brothers. Did you know that? You know, they're basically like genetically sense. the same fish. Well, one's freshwater, right? But that's basically it, right? But salmon are freshwater too for oh, a bad. part of their life, isn't it? I mean, like trout are the salmon that were like, eh, screw it, pass it's on the whole spawn thing, right? Hard pass. Like I'm just gonna kick it in this lake, right? Why would I swim upstream to get back here? Just to do it over, like this is your like what? Like what to are have you a doing? Gri- you know? To have a grizzly bear wait at the waterfall and eat you out of midair? No thanks. Right, this like this lemming-like participation in their like genetically coded instincts to dodge grizzly claws and face certain death around every corner so tr- to go and spawn, yeah. or you can kick it in the lake or in the uh, ocean and 
well, trout's not in the ocean, salmon is, but you can just kick it and not go through that rat race every time. Yeah, they're, they just, they're doing it right. The trout are doing it right. And when you get a trout that's like a lake trout that gets really big, um, when you open them up and fillet them, and I've had it, I've actually caught some, you can barely tell the difference between salmon and trout at that point. That's the trout is it's pink. It's got pink flesh. It flakes exactly the same way. Um, if anything, unless it's a really big one, you don't have the depth on the on the fillet that you expect from some of the fatter like Atlantic ones. Sure, um, it's more of like a you know a, a, a smaller fillet that's thinner that would take better to smoking and curing and stuff like that. JJ, what's the hardest fish that you've had to deal with trying to cook well? Anything's come to mind? Um, you know the thing the thing with fish and screwing it up is it's it's easy and it happens to all sorts of different kinds of fish um you know i've had some i've had some really bony fish that really bummed me out um my biggest problems with fish have been my mistakes which is why i'm telling you for instance i'm reiterating oil the grill okay <laughs> I mean, you, you cook out like I buy. I buy a whole fish from a fish market um, a few times a summer, and when you waste this beautiful, like you know, animal with eyeballs that's staring at you, it is. <laughs> and next thing you know, like that, you're tearing off the skin, and the, the the meat is getting stuck to the thing, and everyone's like, "Oh, this looks great!" And you're like, "You gotta be kidding me! I'm ruining it!" You know, just oil the grill. <laughs> That's all I guess. And oil the fish. Um, but as far as like the most difficult fish, I can't tell you I really got one. There's some that are more difficult than others. I think it's just sometimes you get like a fillet that's got more bones in it than others. Um, and uh, that's something that you could either debone it or you tell your guests like, watch out, there might be some bones. And you just kind of set them free on that path of pulling little pin needles out of their mouth for the next half hour. Hey, it keeps you on your toes. It sure does. Yeah. You know? Hey, have you ever had, I'm just going to ask a couple of random questions. Have you ever had bluefish before? Bluefish? No, I don't think I, I don't think I have. I mean, I've had bluefin. Right, right. Like tuna. Where, where, where's, tell me about bluefish. You got any experience well, with it? Yeah, so my, my, I got two, two very distinct experiences. One is just fishing for it. You know, a little deep sea kind of New England fishing type thing, whatever. That's all good. I didn't catch anything, never do. But eating-wise, there used to be, and I got, you know, the artist formerly known as Cindy Harrington here, you know, standing by as in case, but there used to be a seafood store right next to my building in Charlotte. It only lasted for about a year and a half. But I went down there one night, and they basically had, like, bluefish tail lollipops almost, right? So, like, they were the, the probably, like, the afterthoughts of some giant bluefish orders they'd gotten in. And I had those, and they were almost kind of like little lamb, like lamb sticks. You know what I mean, like the lamb pops, but they were bluefish pops, if you will. And I, I'm I'm effing up the the terminology, but that's what they were like. A little gamey, but like pretty good. And obviously, I probably didn't cook them as well as they could have been cooked because I only had one shot at it. But really, an interesting. So little they, fish. they weren't they weren't smoked or anything. They were raw. They were raw, bottom raw, bottom Skin fresh. On yep. Tails. Yep. Yep. Right, yep. Exactly. With the fins and everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and interesting. Had, yeah, and I had to kind of get after it a little bit, and it was a bit of a bit of an S show. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I'll eat anything. 
Yeah, and you know, in a situation like that, in a situation like we're in now, you know, you'd buy that in bulk because it's cheap and you can... Yeah, freeze it. You can cook it like six different ways. You can freeze it and, you know, like my grandfather's drilled into my head since I was like seven years old. You can make a soup with it, you know? It's a... Out of anything, really. So, hey, make a that'd soup. That would be a great ingredient. It's like chicken feet. You know, you look at chicken feet and you're like, what am I going to do with that? And then you learn that that's what gives chicken stock, like, its umptuousness. And it's a secret ingredient to all these um, Asian soups and even French soups and stuff. Oh, and, really? You know, you're like, ah, I the, get it now. The, the chicken feet. Chicken feet, man. That's interesting. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do with seafood is, and it's very affordable, and it's environmentally sustainable, and that's an angle of seafood that um, we may not even really be able, be able to get into, but there is a problem of fisheries being exploited and the ocean being pillaged, and, yeah. um, and unsustainable practices continuing until one day there's not going to be that type of fish or that type of seafood. Um Things like uh, shrimp and mussels and clams. Now, of course, wild product is um, often far superior. But, you know, humans have been farming shellfish for a long time. Yes. And and we're quite good at it. And when you talk about farming shellfish, it's basically just sticking some pipes into the ground so you can contain their movements and just letting them do their thing. Like, you're not... You're not feeding them corn or, you know, like antibiotics or whatever. And you're not doing what some of our our less um, responsible uh, friends in Asia are doing with fish farming where you're putting these massive nets around teeming masses of fish right. in the middle of the ocean. And you're just sending out these clay, they're like factories of pollution in the ocean, in the water. Um, it's something in between that. It's... it's uh, it's in shallow water that in land that doesn't have a ton of use and and it's being done in a pretty sustainable way for the most part um it's also pretty affordable unless you're buying some really beautiful giant prawns or something you know mussels when in season i see them for like three bucks a pound you know clams you get a small clam like a manila for about the same amount and they seem really luxurious and really like a restaurant quality uh, product, but that you're basically just at its most core um, function. You're essentially steaming it in something better tasting than water. Yeah. You know, so if you take that mindset to it, and they tell you when they're done cooking because they open, and if they don't, you know, if a few of them don't open, you throw those ones away in case they were already dead when you cooked them. You know, right. The, the issues with mussels and clams and stuff is like the cleaning uh, process seems a little intimidating because there's a soak and they are alive and um, there's sand that can be in there and you're trying to get the sand out of them and it's basically just soaking them for a while in some cold water and they release the sand out of their their glands and their folds on their own and then you you know you, if there's a mussel you pull the beard into the corner of the shell. Um, that's closest to it, and you snap that off, and you and you put it in like some some butter and, and shallots, or some butter and onion and garlic, and you you put in your shellfish, and you pour in some white wine or some stock or some Ooh. coconut milk or something like that, and you cover it for like five minutes, and then you peek and you see how it's doing, and if you you know if they're not all open yet, 
you give another minute, you keep checking on it, and um, you end up with like, and you pull it as soon as it's done, as soon as they're open, you pull them, and then you can go next level, and you can reduce your sauce, and you can add more things to it, or you can put some linguine in there, or something like that, or you just have a bowl of this delicious broth with shellfish in it, and you take like crusty toasted bread, yes. and you just dip it in there your french fries that's the best part like that is what you're there for um that is like that is what it's all about i had a follower i asked my instagram followers for some ideas yeah i saw that and, um, and i got a lot of great responses and i'm not going to be able to go through all of them but what spawned me thinking about shellfish in my you know 33 minutes of combined free time today <laughs> was um from Amy, A-I-M-E-E dot E. She got into a, a prawn saganaki, which is, it's it's an f- interesting dish. It's Greek, and it's um, interesting because you never think of fish with cheese. You know, it's Correct. not. Seafood and cheese are not really friends. But this is a, it's a shrimp or prawn and feta and tomato preparation. Sounds lovely. And, um. And she's like with crusty bread for dipping, which is Oof, like, uh, yeah, yes. of course. I That's mean, the whole part, yeah. When you're making shellfish, people should be trying to drink that broth when they're done. Yes. And it's not because you're an expert. It's because aromatics like onion and garlic and fat like butter and things like white wine and, um, you know, chicken, uh, chicken stock and fish stock and coconut milk are delicious on their own and together. And if you cook them a little bit so they reduce and cook out some of their water, then you're getting this distilled flavor. The stuff is cold. And you can look so fancy doing it. And it's like a la menu preparation. It takes like 15 minutes. Mm. This isn't something you got to cook all day or you got to prep all day. You throw them in the, in the sink in the, in the cold, cold water. You let them burp out some of their... Um, some of their sand for the next you know half hour or whatever and then if they're mussels you de-beard them and you have already prepped your onions and your fat and it's already on the thing and you're ready to go oh man it's good and it's so good that i'm gonna be like you're gonna see a bunch of shellfish on my instagram in the near future can't wait by the way folks at man cook good on the ig follow jeremy you'll know what's up hey jeremy i want to give a couple shout outs here real quickly so we got I think Cindy made a, uh, a shrimp carbonara. Is that right? Yep. I'm getting a head nod. Uh, in the last week With or so. Bacon. Yeah, well, there was shrimp, right? Instead of bacon. Is that how we did it? Yeah, exactly. So there was no bacon. The shrimp took the bacon's place. It was excellent. Did you um, Did you make it? Cindy did, yeah. Well, get Cindy on the microphone, man. She doesn't want to. She's good. She's basking in the glory. Uh, that's cool. Cindy, have some have some honey and some tea, and save your voice for day thirty one of the thirty one through sixty song challenge. No, we're we're taking a couple of days off. This is uh this is our thirty <laughs> fourth pod in thirty days, and tomorrow we uh, shall rest. Good. <laughs> but she's basking and she's basking in the glory of her victory. Um, which you called three weeks ago. Product man, it freezes great. It thaws quickly. And it's it's a sweet, delicious little protein. You can cook a bunch of different ways, inside, outside, or cold. And it makes great ceviche. 
Yes. Ceviche in general, one of my followers and friend of mine, Bretsky oh. 634, he was just like ceviche, boom. <laughs> he, you know, he's talking about doing white fish, he adds in Serrano chilies, of course, you know, onion and things of that nature, and lots of lime juice, but <clears throat> shrimp makes great ceviche, especially if you chop it into, you know, your standard um, 17 to 19. You know what that number means, by the way, of shrimp? No. Prawns? No. That's how many will fit in a pound. Ooh. So the lower the number, the bigger the creature. Got it. Yeah. So, like, you buy a pound of it, you're going to get six, or you're going to get, like, 18, you know? Uh, but, you, you know, you have your standard size shrimp that you think of when you think of, like, a shrimp cocktail, and you chop one of those into two or three pieces, and you make ceviche with it, and it's lovely. Oh, I can't beat a ceviche. Speaking of raw fish... Um, Number one, opening mussels, one of my favorite things to do. Uh, fresh mussels. Check band name of the week. <laughs> opening mussels, yeah. Or oysters, my fault. Opening oysters, my fault. Oh, favorite. oysters. Oh, see, I've never opened an oyster. Yeah, very difficult, but once you get the hang of it, it's kind of fun. It's a nice little technique. I sure can criticize people on cooking reality shows, though, for their technique for a guy that's never done it. it well, why not? You know, back, the, you, know, the, uh, you know, the Monday morning quarterback thing is never a bad thing. Oh, other thing I wanted to shout out, Cindy and I were talking earlier today. We miss sushi, man. Like we miss going to get sushi. So, do you have any making sushi tips that you know of, or any of your your followers that have mentioned anything about sushi recently? Well, you know, you got to buy really good fish, and uh, you know, you just gotta you gotta watch your YouTube videos, man. I mean, it's all about the fish quality. I I'm fortunate to have a Mitsua market um, with them mm. walking distance to me. Mitsua is a it's a Japanese chain, oh, okay. and um, their little um, their little fridge with fish in it is like unbelievable. It's these beautiful little rectangles of trimmed fish fillets huh. that are specifically for sashimi and sushi. So that certainly helps. Having a narrow uh, blade that's ultra sharp is really helpful. Something very thin, so you're not hacking away at the meat. Um, Sushi's like the real deal, man. It's not something that's easy to just crank out. You just kind of have to start doing it and work on it. Um, I would get into something like a spicy tuna type, you know, mash uh, or like sashimi before. Because like the hardest thing about making sushi is the rice. Correct. Making sushi rice, you don't realize how um, dynamic of a flavor it's got until you have fish on like just white rice you know like it's not, <laughs> fair, it's fair. not good like it, you need like there's like there's the rice vinegar in it there's sugar in sushi rice and it's kind of, it's a little bit sticky so it'll hold together in that little football i had a sushi chef years ago set me free from chopsticks which i am pretty proficient at but i was kind of new to sushi and he's like you know um you guys really seem to like the sushi and you come a lot you know and we were talking and he's like you you pick up the fish in your hand and you dip the fish in your soy sauce wasabi oh. and then you put the rice down first on your tongue oh. he's like you take it in two bites and he's like you know a fish should all be done exactly the same way there are standards to sushi that you're just you're just your cover band you know you're playing the same song over and over again got it it's like uh, the sushi chef is able to really shine with their individuality and their skill 
with their rice. And then, of course, when they tell you, like, no soy sauce because they've seasoned it inside, you know. Um, but it's the rice that is the, the point of pride for the sushi chef. Didn't so know that. That's a hot take. Playing too. with sushi rice is like a whole thing in its own right. But um, I've been eyeballing um, spicy tuna on um, crispy rice. Okay. Um, that's something you know that good. I think I might be making at home soon. You don't have. You still want to buy good fish, but you're you're mashing it up and you're just, you're cutting it up, so you don't have to worry about having great knife skills. And you make you know you do your best to. Google some recipe for sushi rice and make some decent sushi rice. And then you just make like a little fried rice cake and top it with your spicy tuna and like some scallions and, uh, and have that, you know, um, that's been on my list of things that I really want to eat. I totally feel you with missing sushi. Not only is it a a really wonderful meal, it's a great experience Mm -hmm. and it's the one meal I haven't even considered getting takeout during this time is because there's no cook there's no bacteria kill there's right. no virus you <laughs> right, know, there's right. no RNA killing yeah. it's like you know and the sushi restaurant and the sushi chefs by and large are extremely um, clean and diligent uh, cooks they cook in front of everybody there's no like touching your face or anything like people would freak out and everything is cold and there's a certain ancient method of preparing it but Still, man. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm with uh, we you. haven't done it, and we've talked about it. Yeah, cooking. I'd love to cooking the food right now is just the way to go. You know, it's just raw fish is out. Raw fish is out. Well, right like now. everything's about to take another jump because things are starting to open, and it's almost like we're about as safe today as we're going to be for a while. Correct. So it's this weird feeling of like, yeah, we're under lockdown, but like, I'd rather hang out with my friends now. Than in a month, right? Depending on how things are going, right? Yeah, I agree because everybody's still relatively locked down. So your your their concentric circles outside of you are much smaller than they're going to be in thirty days. Right, people are going to be going out more. They're going to be doing things more. They're going to be co you know hanging out, commingling more. Um, and uh, and I get it, man. I want to do it too. I, we're not exempt from, you know, we've cheated a few times um, on individual hangouts, but like everyone's going to be a little more loose and uh, hopefully because it's summer, everyone's going to be outdoors more and hopefully in smaller crowds. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a lot of good things about airborne transmission outside and how that's going to affect us. And um, it seems like there's some good numbers coming out of that. Most of it is like indoor closed um air sneezes coughs extended prolonged exposure to breathing and things like that yeah. singing um and i could you know with this with this city in this county especially if i'm not working i don't have to be inside of anyone right especially <laughs> especially without a mask you know yeah not for not for more than a few minutes like you, you know like i'm reading about like particles per breath and whatever and like some of these like situations like depending on where they are in terms of their of your um contagiousness like you could be talking about like a couple hundred breaths or something you know like um so whatever you know i'll tell you what i'll tell you what the uh the things i would say about boston are people are now getting kind of friendly so we were out 
on the back deck last weekend and we live in South Boston and it's all kind of triple deckers and people are randomly talking to their neighbors like on their back yeah. decks. Like so, you know, no yeah. one's no one's going over anybody's houses yet, but a lot of neighbor hanging out here too. But what's yeah. wild is as somebody who's from Massachusetts originally, nobody's not from here, so therefore nobody's friendly to strangers. And so, but people are just breaking. They just want to talk to any human they don't live with, you know? Yeah. Or any human who's not on a Zoom on call. A lot of hellos out on the street, on the sidewalks, and as people are walking by. Yeah. Um, I've recently started a job for my landlord to help pay a portion of our rent. And I've been working with some wood out on the, like, in the front patio area. And everybody that walks by, is like, you know, checking out what I'm doing and like waving and saying hello. Like we don't, we, you know, you stay, you, you respect people's urban solitude for the most part in the in the city. You know, this isn't what I would imagine St. Paul or Minneapolis would be like, where people are actually friendly to each other. LA and Boston, there there's some similarities there. Like you don't talk to each other, you leave them alone. You right. show them the respect to leave them alone. Like here, right. Right. Spend some time with yourself. You don't need me bothering you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not that I'm unfriendly. I just don't want to bother you because I don't want you to bother, to me. bother me. Exactly. Exactly. Same page. So yeah, but people are ready, and so it'll be interesting. But I do think outdoor well, stuff will be fun. Halter top day is coming in Boston, and I mean they're gonna have to do like mass arrest on the on the river. You know, <laughs> like, well, it's not, drive is, yeah. Like, how are they gonna prevent that? It's like. I don't know. They need to close, keep the beaches here around here closed for Memorial Day and Fourth of July, just on principle, um, because it will become a situation you can't control. Like you can't arrest everybody. You can't go out there horses start clubbing people's heads. Well, hopefully not. So you just keep it closed. Yeah, so I think like, you got to close close weekends, close holidays. You got if you got to go to the beach, you got to go to the beach during the Monday to Friday. You know, you gotta. That's what we're going to be doing. It's they're they're open Wednesday or Thursday next week, and we will be at least once a week going to the beach like all day. And you got it, you know. You got we, it. Oh, and we will. Yeah. And believe me, <laughs> we we're are. you know we're we're literally a block, two blocks from the beach. I mean, obviously our beach is different than your beach for a lot of reasons, especially seasonally. But you know, people have been banging it out already down there. They really have. Uh, for better, you just want to see something other than four walls. I mean, just yeah. like. There's some sanity out there when you look at the ocean. There's like 180 degrees of sanity. <laughs> and if you can just kind of put your back to the rest of the madness and stare out into the abyss for a few minutes, you feel better. It's it's like, it's undeniable. Yeah, there's just little moments of normalcy, as they would say. Hey, let me just ask... A, go ahead, sorry. Oh, just a deep breath of some fresh air, my goodness. Oh, well, it'll do wonders. It'll do wonders. Let me ask you this. I saw somebody on your feed mention fish tacos today. Yeah. Uh, give give us again. You can go as long as you like, but give us some something good on fish tacos. You got any secrets there? Any uh, any ingredients you like there? You know, any like types any, of fish you like? Um, there? Any fish? I think something in terms of types of fish, just in general, something that we need to kind of wrap our head around is like every area has got fish that's good there at that time of year sure um so like i could say um yeah you want like rockfish because it's cheap and it's this and it's that it's abundant 
but you don't have rockfish over there, you know, like, you've got, like, you know, haddock and, like, things of that nature, you know, it's like, we have different <laughs> products, but, sure. so, like, when I'm, when I want to make fish tacos, I will go and I will look at what's good, and I will get, like, a red snapper or a mahi-mahi or even a tilapia, depending on, you know, how they claim its um, upbringing was. Uh, tilapia should be the magical cure-all wonder fish, but it's not yet. The farming method's generally really terrible, but red snapper makes a great fish taco. Ooh, yeah. And, you know, you get a filleted if it's in a whole fish, if you're in that kind of market. And you just pan sear it, man, and you want it to be really fresh and just kiss it with some salt and have some fresh lime on the side. You probably want to make a crema, and you want to have some cabbage. You want that crunch, and you want that creaminess. It goes really well with the juice. Um, and you get the crema with, like, I mean, you could go real basic and just, like, take some mayonnaise and yogurt or mayonnaise and sour cream and squirt in some sriracha and, like, a little bit of lemon juice and salt and call it, you know. That sounds lovely. You could go, you could go deep, or you could go, um, you could go just... As basic as like mayonnaise and sour cream, or just like some like uh, crema fresca, which is a Mexican um, product that you see in a lot of ethnic uh, markets. And um, you know, take good care of your tortillas. Try to get some good tortillas, and and, and hit them with your uh, hit them with your your open your exposed flame on your gas stove, or in the in a hot skillet, or on a grill, so you get some nice fluffy tortillas that got a little bit of char on them. Get all your ingredients ready beforehand. So chop up, like, you know, if just you and Cindy are going to have fish tacos, buy a head of cabbage and, like, make, like, a little cabbage slaw mm. um, with, like, a quarter head of cabbage, you know, like or have leftovers, you know. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm not talking about putting mayonnaise in either. I'm talking about either a dry slaw or, like, a vinegar slaw. Vinegar really slaw, nice. that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I like that. Really nice, yeah. You want that contrast. You want that punch of that acid, and then you add that cream element with a little crema, and um, then you could get into a salsa or guacamole. I'm a huge fan these days of just taking a couple of avocados, smashing them into a bowl with some lime juice and salt, and putting a spoon in it and saying, here, like, we're ready to go. Um, it's the fastest way to make something wonderful, and I'm not, like, Roasting like tomatoes and peppers on the scallions oh, yeah. on the grill. You could do that you know? in four minutes. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's super fast. And if you're constantly uh, bringing in avocados, depending on where you live, like you should always have a couple avocados ready to go. No doubt, we subscribe to that in this household for sure. Like when I buy avocados, I'm like, well, these will be ready in a week. <laughs> these will be ready today, and these will be ready sometime between now and then. You know exactly. Exactly, and then, hey, and then hot, sometimes hot I sneak news up from on Quarantine Villa here in Los Angeles today. What day did you say it was? Fifty six. Yeah, I think so. Of LA uh, lockdown. Today I walked into um, CVS, the CVS for people listening in New England, and um, <laughs> I to get some Mother's Day stuff. And I walk right in like it's you know March fifth, and there's. 20 rolls of toilet paper or oh. bundles of toilet paper, not just rolls. Wow. Paper towels. Supplies. Oh God. There were canned beans and rice and dried beans on the shelf of the bodega yesterday. Like, it is like, man, we are back. But we're still in our house. I was going to say, we're, we're back ish. 
hey, fish is going to be, you know, these meat, these meat shortages may not, we don't know how deep they're going to go, but they are going to affect prices. Yes. So, and we, we might still have a week before we really get a crunch on, on the supply side. So when you're at the grocery store this week, buy like a, you know, a couple pounds of ground meat, buy some like some some chicken drums and thighs and stuff to grill when the weather finally gets nice wherever you are and like you know wrap them up nice in some some freezer bags and pull the air out with a straw and seal it up behind it real quick and throw it in the freezer and start wrapping your head around uh more vegetarian food and more fish because the price of meat's gonna go up and honestly with the exception of the 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 cookout and the grill and the meat and the hot dogs Summertime's great for veggies and it's great for fish because they're light. You know, they're light, they're fresh, they're crisp, and it's hot as hell. So why not? Yeah, I mean, I was reading about that. Um, I was reading about that Saganaki prawn, prawn Saganaki, and they're like, you know, you you got to make sure you have some ouzo with it, some ice cold ouzo. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds <laughs> really nice. Sure. And normally, like, I mean, we've all gone there, down the wrong road with sambuca when we were teenagers, and that star anise flavor and and liquor, it's kind of soft and a little, it'll turn you off a little bit for the most part with our palates. But suddenly you're talking about shrimp and an ocean breeze and a chilled glass. And it's like, yeah, I should be drinking that. Maybe <laughs> I do deserve some ouzo today. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I do. <laughs> I'll take a trip to an essential liquor store and see if they have any for my shrimp. Absolutely. Maybe I should have some sambuca. Why the hell not? On the topic of crusty bread, something I've learned, Gav, the best crusty bread you're ever going to get, um, do it on the grill, pre-oiled. Like, put more butter and oil on it than you think you should, oh, little, really? little. Throw it on the grill, crumb side down, and um, just let it grill, man. You're going to get the best. And if you want to do it in, like, the toaster or the oven, um, do it on have like a high heat like a broil would be preferable you know and then you better watch your broiler you have burned a million things in a broiler but if you're going to be doing crusty bread with some shellfish or something with some seafood broth do it on the grill great tip jj anything else that you think we need on the seafood i think we're good today beautiful well hey stay safe stay healthy keep it rolling To our friends from Paris to Azerbaijan to Los Angeles, California. Man Cook Good on Instagram. Follow him. Congrats to our 30-day song champ, Cindy Harrington. The best best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And I'm your buddy Gavin, Filibuster Freestyle. Follow us. Subscribe. Deezer. Viva la France. Spotify. The list goes on. FilibusterFreestyle.com. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. I forgot all about that. Guys, breaking news. In, in true Roscoe P. All-Stars fashion, we forgot something important. Octopus for dessert. Jeremy and I were dining one time in Los Angeles. Tapas style, of course. Jeremy, what was the place called? Hatchet. Hatchet. Well, I mean, I hope Hatchet survives the culling. I do, too. Great ha- restaurant. Great restaurant. And we were eating, and we had eaten plenty, and probably gotten four or five plates, and then some guy next to you got the sea, sea they, sorry he got the octopus or maybe he was next <laughs> he to me got the charred octopus and we just looked at each and, other and we were like octopus for dessert <laughs> so the bartender's like you guys want some dessert we got dessert menus we're talking ourselves into stuff we don't even really want and the guy comes over he's like you know what'd you decide on for dessert 
and uh, we we're like, well, the charred octopus, you know, with the leaks, you know. <laughs> I forgot about octopus. And he's like, octopus for dessert. Yeah, I am all on board. That was a great meal, Gav. You know, um, maybe uh, what you're talking about next week. Let's get into some places we'd like to go if we we're allowed to. But yeah, um, as you, you weren't, eat, you didn't eat meat. Uh, that you know, you don't really eat meat, and uh, much of it. But you do eat seafood, and hatchet is a kind of a comfort American food, um, oh, uh, fancy comfort American food place. And it's not great if you're vegetarian, but if you're willing to have some seafood, like we did, we went all seafood, and we we went through, we ran the table on their seafood options. Yep. I had like six or seven of them. What I do think. you have for fish? We'll take one of each. Yeah, yeah, great except, idea. Yeah, except for the octopus, which then of course we took. So good stuff, everybody. When in doubt, octopus for dessert, and that is it. 